In Stillness and Serenity, a Good Omens podfic, written by Entangled Now and read by Jar. Summary In which freedom from heaven and hell gives Aziraphale and Crowley the chance to indulge in each other and explore a few of their long-neglected needs. There's a quiet determination to Aziraphale, an intent to press on with things now that he's made his decision. But Crowley doesn't want to rush this. It's too important. He thinks that sometimes the angel needs a reminder that they don't have to rush anything now. There's no end of the world coming. No one is going to show up and chastise them for not handing in the work on time. Or for daring to be together. Aziraphale is having a little more trouble with that than him. So he's being patient. What sort of things do you want to be told to do? He asks, reaching an arm out casually to tap against a strip of leather resting on the table. When you're wearing it. Aziraphale follows the movement, but his eyes don't settle on the collar, instead swinging back to Crowley. I think I want you to decide, he says slowly. The words carefully measured out, like he's not sure what Crowley is going to do with them. I want you to choose. You don't want to know? Crowley raises an eyebrow, genuinely surprised. Aziraphale frowns, but then gives a quick nod, as if to encourage himself. I don't want to anticipate. I don't want to play through my hat over and over, to wonder which choice will be correct. I just want to be given direction, to be told that I'm... His hands press together, and Crowley can see him resisting the urge to tug at his fingers. That I'm good, that I'm doing a good job, that I'm wanted and desired, and... Right. Crowley drops his hands to gather up Aziraphale's, which he knows are a moment away from lowering to fuss at the buttons of his waistcoat again. You are, Angel. You are. And I will tell you as many times as you need to hear it. Not just for pleasure. All the bloody time. Aziraphale's shaken breath has Crowley leaning in to kiss him and his mouth rises instantly to meet his. It's not deep. It's not long. They've kissed enough by now to make up for at least half of all the years when they couldn't. But sometimes it still hits Crowley how impossible their life now would have felt before the end. The reassurance seems to steady Aziraphale, his body relaxing out of its fidgety uncertainty. Seems a little silly, though. Yes. Crowley offers a curious noise, hands lifting to work the knot of his bow tie open. How does it seem silly? Aziraphale's gaze fixes on him, as if to check whether the question is genuine. He looks surprised when Crowley simply waits for an answer. They know each other so well and they've always made allowances for each other's raw places, or given slides that hit a bit too close. 
But Crowley also knows that some things still have to be said. I did what I was told for a very long time, and I can't say that I exactly enjoyed it, Aziraphale admits. And even though they are both free and no one is listening, the admission is still hushed, hurried out quickly with a nervous wave of hand. I don't know why the thought is so appealing. It's not the same, Crowley tells him, sliding tartan fabric free and setting it aside before moving down. The vintage waistcoat is soft under his fingers, the small buttons delicate as they slip through the holes. He's as careful as he can be. He's always careful with the zero fails well-off things. Crowley has so few well-off things of his own. This isn't for anyone else. It's just for you. And for you as well, Aziraphale says, and the words have an air of hope, of insistence. I certainly want you to enjoy it as well. I always do. As if there could ever be a question of Crowley not enjoying him. He pushes the shirt over Aziraphale's shoulders, lets it slide down until it comes free. Then takes a moment to feel the warm curves of him, because a look is never enough anymore. I'm not saying I won't enjoy it, he says, because if he's honest, he's thought of nothing else since Aziraphale first started leaving subtle hints about the possibility of it. Then not so subtle hints when Crowley worried he was just projecting. I promise I will. I've never done anything with you that I haven't enjoyed, but this one we're doing for you. For me, Aziraphale repeats, and Crowley leaves him with a thought while he pulls open the catch and zip of his trousers, his hands sliding into his underwear too, and working both of them over the angel's buttocks and hips, easing them down until they fall. What if I don't? What if I can't? Crowley pauses with his hands on Aziraphale's upper thighs, his thumb stroking slowly across bare skin. He can feel the softness of the hair there, the flare of the angel's breath against his jaw. He can taste arousal on the air. If you don't like it, or if there are things about it that are making you uncomfortable, you know we can stop any time. Say that. Aziraphale makes it sound so much like Crowley's reassurances might be considered fussing. As if he has any legs to stand on there. He fusses like no one's business when they do things for Crowley. Nothing but fuss. I do always say that, Crowley confirms. He reaches down and lifts the collar. It's a soft, sturdy leather, headed on the inside, the edges almost warm in his hands. It makes quite noises under the stroke and press of his thumbs. But you have to remember, this isn't something you can fail at. It's supposed to be enjoyable, or at least cathartic. If you're not having a good time, then neither am I. Aziraphale sighs. I've been around for exactly as long as you, darling. I know how it works. 
knowing how it works is a lot easier than realizing the habits you formed over 6,000 years might append your desire to be taken care of for once, to be appreciated, to do a good job. But Crowley doesn't say any of that out loud. He doesn't suppose he really has to. Aziraphale is smart enough to know all of it. But knowing it and being in the mood to tackle it, to unpack it and use it, are very different things. I'm aware of that. I just... I need you to know that you can't do anything wrong with me. Nothing you do is wrong. It's important that you remember that if we are going to do this. Even if you hate it, even if you want this, he taps the collar, taken off the second it goes on, I will feel exactly the same way as I do right now. Aziraphale looks at him, his frown shifting into something warmer, something fond and familiar that Crony has been coaxing out for years. Before he lifts a hand, curls his fingers around Crowley's wrist and pulls it close, collar included. Permission and enthusiasm assured, Crowley gently places the thing around Aziraphale's neck, closing it at the back. The contrast of dark leather and soft skin leaves something warm and heavy in his chest. To be trusted enough to give the angel this. To be trusted to protect him, to keep him safe, to give him everything he wants. To tell him when and where and how. He doesn't think he would ever have asked if Aziraphale hadn't asked first. He's... Very glad that he did. The color has a softer lining at the edges, but Crowley is still gentle buckling it, leaving enough space for the stretch of Aziraphale's neck. He wants him to feel it, but he wants it to be comfortable. It's not supposed to restrict him, just to remind him that Crowley has him and that he's going to take care of him. Is that all right? He asks when it's settled, smoothing two fingers across the ring at the front, letting the tips curl inside to talk ever so briefly at it, and finding that he wants so many shifting and unnameable things. Aziraphale nods, a quiet noise escaping him when the movement meets resistance. He stands for a moment, his eyes dropping half shut, but still managing to look at Crowley. He feels more naked like this somehow, soft and bound to him, and wordlessly asking him for direction. Crowley finds that he suddenly feels some strange mixture of affectionate lover and wicked demon. He gives himself permission to like it. Say the words for me, Angel. Yes, it's all right. Aziraphale pauses for a moment and then adds, Thank you. That thank you doesn't sting as much as it normally would. Not sad with such curious anticipation. An edge to the end like he wants to be told. It's easy to let his hands cover Aziraphale's face, to tilt it up and kiss the offering of his mouth 
before leaning back again. Step out of your trousers for me, Holy tells him gently. Aziraphale gives the faintest sigh and does as he's told, which is delightful enough that Crowley already feels too warm inside his clothes. He can't pretend he hasn't been thinking about this since Aziraphale offered the suggestion of what he'd like, slowly, in pieces over the course of a week, until the shape of it had hovered between them, the angel fretting visibly at the reality of having it all out in the open, his soft, secret needs exposed. It's something he wants, though, enough to ask for it, and Crowley is more than willing to give it to him. Are you warm enough, angel? he asks, remembering the way Aziraphale had said, Take care of me, in the softest tone, as if it had been a strange request, and not something that had thrilled every part of him. Crowley lets his hand smooth down the bare lines of his arms. It could be a test to check for himself, but it's an indulgence, and they both know it. Crowley likes the way he can feel the hair under his palms and the softness of his skin beneath. He feels like he's still making up for all the years he'd wanted to reach out to touch him. Yes, Aziraphale says. Perfectly warm, thank you. The words are enough to have Crowley smiling. And that seems to reassure the angel, the shape of him looking less uncertain. Though Crowley knows that what he really wants is to be given a command, to lose himself in a task, a task that there's little chance he can fail at. He thinks it will be easier if this first time he picks something familiar to start with, something the angel enjoys, something he knows. I thought about this a lot, you know, about what I could have you do, what sort of things I wanted you to do for me. He catches the corner of Aziraphale's mouth briefly ticking up at the edge. He doesn't know whether it's amusement at the innuendo or at the strange reversal of their normal, rather more subtle exchange of care. Crowley reaches a hand up and gently strokes the shape of it to let him know that the amusement is more than welcome. You're so good at so many things. But to start with, I want you to go to the green armchair in the back room and make yourself comfortable next to it. The rug is soft enough. I'll join you when I've collected a few things. Aziraphale nods, catches his eyes once, before slowly turning and moving towards the back of the bookshop. The color is a striking shape between the pale fluff of his hair and his spine. Crowley can't help the way he stays to watch the expanse of Aziraphale's strong back, his soft waist and the plush curves of his naked buttocks, as he does as he's told eventually disappearing through the doorway. Something of a curiosity that, the angel doing as he's told. 
Crowley had been more than willing, from the beginning, to be whatever Xerophil needed him to be, to give as much as he could take, and never any more, to be patient and loyal and constant, the way he deserved. But still, the thought that he'd earned this much trust, that he'd become this much of a safe space, when the angel has always been waiting to be told no, nervous and afraid to be called out, to be discovered doing something wrong. Though always, at the same time, he'd stayed so hopeful that he was doing the right thing, that he wasn't a disappointment, that if he just tried hard enough, the unfairness of it had often left Crowley furious, though rarely where the angel could see. The confirmation every time that no one, upstairs or down, had the slightest interest in even a second of independent thought. He lifts the chocolates he'd brought with him, a black box with the smallest possible red font on the lid, unimpressive to look at, but he knows they are a rich, decadent mix of bitter and sweet that a Xerophil is especially fond of. He suspects that there'll be a brief protest at the evidence of something a Xerophil likes more than him, at Crowley cheating by indulging a Xerophil rather than himself. But Crowley is a demon. He can be selfish if he wants to, and he can't be expected to be too predictable. If the angel doesn't know by now how many times Crowley has wished he could reach over and slide confections into his perfect fussy mouth, then he really hasn't been paying attention. Even a thought of a Xerophil sitting expectantly with his mouth open, letting Crowley hand-feed him expensive chocolates, painting the curve of his lips with sticky wet fingers, watching him make sounds for everyone is enough to leave him impatient and hungry. The added image of him kneeling naked at his feet colored for him. Crowley has to take a moment to breathe and settle himself. If Aziraphale trusts him enough to ask for this, then Crowley can have enough self-control to be certain that the angel gets what he needs out of it. If he's being honest with himself, all Crowley needs out of it, all he needs out of anything, is a Xerophil. The chance to reach out and touch him, to love him, without fear of reprisal for it. And yes, he'll admit, the idea of the angel on his knees, neck bound and decorated for him. He's demon enough that the thought makes him greedy and more than a little possessive. But he's trying. He's trying to be someone who deserves it. Aziraphale certainly thinks that he does. He heads into the back, where he told Aziraphale to wait for him, and then has to stop in the doorway, the air slowly sighing out of him in one long breath. Because Aziraphale is kneeling naked beside the green armchair, his strong thighs folded, so he's sitting on his bare feet. He's plush and soft, 
all gentle rolls and faint golden lines on the skin. The slight curves at his hairy chest are tempting enough that Crowley wants to reach out and slide a hand around one, let his peaked nipples slip between his fingers, maybe lean down and have a taste. The dark white collar around his neck is such a stark prank to the nakedness of him, the metal ring heart beneath his soft neck and chin. Aziraphale looks so pleased and expectant, lifting his eyes to meet Crowley's and smiling at him. There's nothing on earth that could have stopped him smiling back. He can't remember if he's supposed to be playing a role. He can't remember anything. He just wants to touch him. Aziraphale. He makes his expression look satisfied at the position the angel has put himself in, while he slips his jacket free and tosses it over the back of another chair. Don't you look lovely there? Aziraphale has placed his hands on his thigh, and is clearly trying his best for stillness. They've been around for a long time. They've seen things like this play out in so many ways. But they are still so new at it themselves, they don't really know what they are doing. They've played so many roles over the years, but neither of them ever expected to be able to play games with each other. Crowley will admit the thought of fumbling his way through this with the angel. It's a sweet sort of thrill. I... I didn't know exactly... You said comfortable. Crowley turns and sinks into the chair, the fingers of one hand pushing into the pale curling fluff of the angel's hair. It's warm, and the texture of it is so appealing he can't help but start a slow, rhythmic stroke. Yes, Crowley confirms, not even caring how obviously he's lost control of his tongue. I want you to be comfortable. He slides his hand down until he can slip his fingers into the back of the collar, now warm from Aziraphale's skin. It gets him a shivery noise that he likes enough to keep gently rubbing there, pulling at the leather and watching the skin beneath compress. He understands this part. No questions that feel like opportunities for Aziraphale to explain himself, to clarify, to search for hints to what the right answer will be. Should you become uncomfortable, I want you to change position. Aziraphale hesitates and then gives a small nod. Crowley watches him for a moment, the patient stillness of him broken only by the occasional fidget of his fingers against his thighs. Put your hands behind your back, fingers interlocked. Aziraphale complies immediately, as if he'd been waiting for a command, or more likely anticipating one. But Crowley supposes that throwing Aziraphale into the deep end the first time is probably a bad idea. He knows Crowley well enough to read him, and he can't make himself push too hard against that. Be good, and maybe I'll tie them next time, he adds.
as Eurofield's quiet catch of breath has promised. Crowley slides his hand down the side of his face, fingers mapping every curve and line, before it stops, cupped around the side of his jaw, tilting his head back. I know you can be good. I've been watching it for years. I want you to be good for me now. Can you do that? Yes. There's no pause, no stuttering breath to the words. Just simple honesty that has something in Crowley's chest clenching so hard he can't speak. Can only rub his thumb over Aziraphale's mouth, feeling the flush give of his lips, the warmth of them. There are so many things I could ask for you. I know you'd give me all of them. You do your best. You always do your best. The easy, relaxed expression Aziraphale had been wearing pinches, a flavor of uncertainty creeping over it. Crowley. No, no, he won't allow him to protest that. Shush, no interrupting when I'm praising you. Aziraphale cracks out a sound, and his jaw suddenly has weight in Crowley's hand, as if he'd swayed into him, pushed into the affection instinctively, his whole body yearning forward into the touch. You'll do your best for me, won't you? Crowley asks again, a different sort of question. Yes, Aziraphale answers immediately. That was what he wanted, what they both wanted, he thinks. They can work on the rest. They have time now. They have so much time. Time to draw these moments out to a ridiculously indulgent degree. And then I'll show you how proud I am of you, how grateful. Yes, Aziraphale says, more quietly. Crowley intended that to be more reassurance than question, but he understands how much the angel needs it. He lets it go. Right, which means I want you to enjoy this. No distractions. Crowley reaches down the other side of the chair and retrieves the chocolates, settles the box in his lap, and watches Aziraphale's eyes widen. Oh, Crowley! Crowley can't have the laugh that cracks out of him at such a perfectly Aziraphale exclamation of delight and pleasure, given so easily while he's collared and kneeling at his feet, obediently waiting for instruction. The angel seems to realize it too, pressing teeth into his lip, his eyes apologetic. Angel. I could never be disappointed in your enthusiasm, you know that. I've worked so blasted hard to get it for the last few thousand years. But Aziraphale's expression only deepens into something embarrassed, as if he thinks he might have ruined something. That just slipped out. I didn't mean... Crowley flips the box open and lifts a salted caramel. Open your mouth he says, over whatever flavor of apology he might try to offer. The words fade and fall away, 
and Jaziraphale's mouth opens slowly. His eyes are fixed on Crowley, his head tipped back as if to receive a holy offering. There's something so erotic about the sight, something that appeals to both the snake and the demon in him. The wet pink of the angel's thumb, the space left open for him to use as he sees fit. Very good, angel, Crowley tells him, then judges the shape of his fingers and chocolate combined. A little wider, I think. Aziraphale's lower jaw sinks further, the flat of his tongue shifting in his mouth in a way that has Crowley's fingers digging into chocolate harder than he means to. There's a great deal of difference between the idea of something and the reality of it. The angel manages to be a perfect mixture of serene and sexual that should be impossible. Crowley feels like he's unprepared in every way for it. Perfect, he says, and means so much more than the shape of his mouth. And I'm sure I don't have to tell you not to bite. At least not this time. He reaches down and settles the sweet just inside, the swell of his thumb dragging over Xerophil's lower lip on the way out. I know you're going to enjoy it. I want you to let me hear it. Aziraphale's mouth closes slowly, the push of it against Crowley's fingers almost a kiss. He hears the bite, hears the chocolate shell break and spill its caramel filling into the angel's mouth. The resulting noises of satisfaction are so close to indecent that Crowley can't help touching Aziraphale's mouth as it moves. You know how much I've always loved watching you eat. Crowley can't help but smile at Aziraphale's blissful hum of acknowledgement. Never developed much of a habit myself, but with you, it was the only time I got to see you indulge yourself. The only time I could see in your face how much something real affected you. When he couldn't. When he wasn't allowed. I wanted to see you like that. I wanted to be the reason you purred and moaned and wiped your mouth. You absolute flirt. Crowley had been thinking about something very much like this for a long time. He can't be blamed for taking advantage of the opportunity when it presented itself. Open your mouth if you want another, he says simply. Aziraphale takes a moment to pass his tongue over his lip, and Crowley curses the fact that he'd already retrieved his hand to pick another chocolate, missing the opportunity to feel it against his own fingers. Perhaps later, when they are smeared sugary and sweet. Aziraphale opens again, the scent of chocolate now rich in the room, waiting patiently while Crowley chooses another, this one decorated with gold leaf and crushed almonds. Crowley places this one on his tongue, hand turning beneath the angel's jaw to carefully shut his mouth. 
Aziraphale's eyes fall shut again, his cheeks and jaw moving in a steady roll of enjoyment. The hum of pleasure he gives vibrates through Crowley's hand. Look at you, he says, and can't help but be amused when the words sound like an accusation peppered with hints of desire and adoration. You have no idea how lovely you are like this. I'm supposed to be the tempter, but I'm damned again if I've ever been able to look away from you. Aziraphale's head tips into his palm, his eyes fluttering open. There's a dreamy hint of bliss to them as they fix on his own, working his way through the last of the shell. His enjoyment is so close and so naked that Crawley can feel an answering clench of arousal in his abdomen. Open, he says again, voice throaty with a desire to see more. Aziraphale does as he's bid, letting the chocolate rest on his tongue for barely a moment before he's closing his mouth around Crowley's fingers, greedy thing that he is. Crowley can feel the soft, wet roll of his tongue, the hard edges of his teeth, and he takes a moment to slide his fingertips across every warm, slick space before drawing his fingers free, shiny, and chocolate smeared. He offers them again, and the angel licks them clean. The next one is coffee in milk chocolate. Crowley lifts it, considering, before popping it inside his own mouth, teeth breaking the shell and releasing the rich, bitter flavor. It's good chocolate, for people who like that sort of thing. He personally prefers something sharper on the tongue. I know you're not too fond of those ones, he says around it. The look he gets from under pale lashes is unnecessarily lascivious and adorably affronted. He spends a moment licking at the pad of his own thumb, long after the thing is actually clean. Aziraphale makes a soft noise of such impatient pleasure that he has to rifle in the box again. Crawley feeds him a strawberry cream, a praline truffle, a hazelnut surprise. He's not entirely sure what the surprise is, but judging by the way Aziraphale licks at his fingertips, it's a good one. He's jealous of every smooth contour of that fucking chocolate and fully hard by the time he presses a white chocolate square inside after it, fingers wet and sticky as they slide across the angel's tongue. Far more times than they need to. But Aziraphale seems to have no complaint. He could dare more. He could slid inside, push all the way in, let the angel lick and bite at his fingers like expensive delicacies. I love you like this, Crowley says softly, a thump rubbing at Aziraphale's slow-moving mouth. I love to watch you enjoy things. You're beautiful when you enjoy things. You don't know how many times I wondered if you'd make the same noises when I kissed you. 
The lashes flutter down, eyes shutting completely, and Crowley watches warmth flow across Aziraphale's cheeks, a flush of pink that he hadn't seen fit to put there through ten minutes of pornographic noises. The color makes it all feel so forbidden, as if he's captured and bound this beautiful thing, hidden it away to feed and kiss and press affection and love into until it bloomed. Is that wicked of him? How could he want anything else? Milk or dark? he asks, finding his voice no longer entirely steady. Dark, Aziraphale says immediately, his mouth opening for Crowley without having to be asked, and that's a beautiful thing too. He thinks they've strayed somewhere away from where they both expected. It's less a matter of obedience now than quiet indulgence. But Crowley is enjoying watching the collar shift against the angel's neck every time he opens, accepts, takes Crowley's fingers into his mouth, and knows perfectly well what he's doing to him. Crowley can smell Aziraphale's arousal, where the space between his thighs is warm and damp. It's making it very difficult not to be starkly aware of the stiff line of his cock trapped tight inside his jeans. But it's a physical demand that's a pleasure in itself. They have nothing but time, and Crowley has never minded the low ache of need that Aziraphale leaves him in. Do you want another? He asks, voice low and hard enough, to come out in pieces. Or do you want me to put something else in your pretty mouth? Something you'll have to stretch wider around? Crowley feels the moan against his drifting fingers, the way Aziraphale pushes into the contact. Yes! The word stutters out on a breath, sounding more like a sigh. Crowley decides that he wants to hear him say it, that he wants more than acceptance. Yes, what? You want to show me how good you are with your mouth? There's a whine that feels somewhere between impatience and eagerness. Yes, Crowley, please. Tip your head up. Let me look at you. It comes out sounding too playful to be demanding, but Aziraphale obeys with a sigh. Crowley curves a hand around the width of his jaw, cupping it as he stretches to look up at him. Aziraphale's eyes drift shut in pleasure, the smile he wears easy. The color is a thick, dark line around his lovely throat, the lamps of the back room making the light behind him shine like a halo. He looks blissed out and expectant and beautiful. My perfect angel. Crowley could hold Aziraphale in this position for hours, rubbing fingers on every curve and line and softness of his face, learning how to sculpt him from nothing as if he couldn't do that already. But he reminds himself that they are playing a Xerophil's game today. He flicks the button on his jeans open, tucks the zipper down, 
and then scrums upwards enough to ease them over his hips, revealing the damp stretch of black fabric over his cock. Keep your hands behind your back, he says, a reminder to be good, to do as he's told, as he eases his cock free, two fingers reaching out to slide under the padded leather of a Xerophil's collar. The angel doesn't look like he has any intention of doing anything else, but Crowley hums approval anyway. He holds his cock upright with a thumb and draws Aziraphale from the side of the chair to the front, his beautiful body settling between his thighs. The angel waits patiently to be told what to do, arms still pulled behind his back, eyes liquid, lips full and wet. Crowley is reminded, viscerally, of a night roughly a thousand years ago, when he'd caught a glimpse of a Xerophile waiting on his knees for service, his head tipped back towards the heavens. He'd looked so serene, so sure, settled on stones that would burn Crowley if he dared to cross them. He'd wanted to touch him then, he would have crawled naked across that holy ground to do it, if Aziraphale had just said the words. Crowley grips the back of the collar, pulls the angel's head down. Open your mouth. The words aren't necessary, since he's already close enough to lick around the hatch with his wet tongue, his ticklish warmth of it too practiced to be a tease. Aziraphale wanted this, so he could serve him, so he could earn rewards, and who is Crowley to deny him? Though he resists the urge to grip the collar tightly, or to push a hand into his hair and tuck. He's hissing every breath when Aziraphale slides slowly down, taking his time to wet every inch of him, undoubtedly on purpose before he lets Crowley's cock slip slowly from his mouth, rubbing the flat of his tongue against the sensitive spot under the hat. That's it. He squeezes the collar when Aziraphale sinks again, starts a slow rhythm that leaves him groaning in his throat, thighs tensing in the chair. The angel's mouth is sticky and sweet, and Crowley can feel every slide of it, every wet curl of tongue. Fuck, you're doing such a good job, he rushes out, watching the slow flex and shift of Aziraphale's back, the curves of his buttocks, the fine gold lines that flow down his hips. Liquid angel that Crowley still remembers the first touch of beneath his hands, when he'd gone to his knees and washed him. Next time, he'll make sure he can touch him. He'll lay praise on his skin, watch the angel sweat and shake while he calls him beautiful, tells him when to move and when to stay still, how to grip, when to come. It's hard to focus when Aziraphale is sucking him so perfectly, lips flush pink, pale eyelashes fluttering against his cheeks. All he can do is watch, punching out soft noises of encouragement. 
everything inside him is already coiled tight, but he doesn't want it to end. He never wants it to end. There's so much, so much Crowley still wants. Look at me, he says, pretending he's not breathless already. Aziraphale's eyes open, a haze of blue and green and grey, pupils shining and white with arousal. Crowley's hands move from the collar to the back of his head. Keep looking at me. I want to see you just like this. Aziraphale's quiet moan is thready and soft, his mouth going briefly lax around him. You have no idea what you do to me, what you've always done to me, Crowley says honestly. You're everything I've ever wanted. Not just an angel on their knees for him, but Aziraphale, who is so full of love he'd wrapped Crowley up in it before he even deserved it, kept him safe when he should have known better. He's been giving quietly to Crowley since the beginning. Aziraphale squirms closer, the movements of his mouth no longer so indulgent or practiced, the angel almost panting around him, the whole of his body pressing into Crowley's knees where they are spread around him. Crowley gives in to the urge to squeeze him, feeling the way he rocks, feeling the tight grip of his throat when he sings to the bass. Do you want to please me? The words stumble out of him. There's no hiding how affected he is by the angel's attention. Aziraphale gobbles a noise around his cock, which leaves Crowley hissing and gently threading fingers into pale hair drawing Aziraphale's mouth of the wet thrust of his dick so he can speak, his perfect lips red and wet and trailing spit. Do you want to be good? Crowley asks. Yes, Aziraphale breathes, the softness of his chest heaving. Crowley can barely remember what he had planned. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't. They've already slipped off script, half his intentions tossed sideways the moment that Aziraphale's perfect mouth closed around his fingers. He pushes shaky fingertips into the top of the collar and pulls him back down. Make me come, angel. There's a shuddering hot rush of breath over Crowley's cock then the slick tightness of Aziraphale's mouth, sliding down, moving intently, sucking hard at the flared head, and then sinking quickly to the base again. Crowley can't help the way his hips jerk up into every bob, panting and aching, and so close. He stops trying to hold on, can't with Aziraphale moaning around him, his wet mouth open for every thrust. That's it. Fuck your mouth. It hits him before he's ready for it, the snapping release of tension, a sloppy series of shoves as he comes over Zerophit's tongue and down his squeezing throat in shivery, blissful pulses. 
angel. He holds Aziraphale there for a moment, enjoying the flutter of his tongue and the roll of his throat swallowing, before he relaxes his hand and pats the softness of his hair, making soothing noises of satisfied pleasure. Aziraphale slides back slowly, his eyes blown dark and wild, his mouth is wet and red, cheeks pink with blood. He looks so beautifully disheveled and erotic that Crowley's whole body tries to curl in towards him. He wants him all over again. Look at you, pretty thing. I don't know how I ever managed to keep my hands off you. Aziraphale leans into him, rests his head on Crowley's thigh, and the warm rush of his breathing is broken by whispers of Crowley's name. His thighs are pressed tight together, and Crowley knows if he slipped a hand down, he'd find the insides of them wet, that he'd find him warm and swollen, and he'd moan at the slightest touch. Get up on the chair, either side of me. He commands, and there's a post-orgasm hiss in his voice that has the angels squirming. Aziraphale hurries to comply, climbing to his feet, the soft naked shape of him moving into Crowley's hands without pause or question. He keeps his own hands behind his back. So well behaved, Crowley thinks he deserves a reward. You're so good, Crowley reassures him, stroking the lines of gold at thighs, hips, and stomach. You've done exactly what I wanted. Aziraphale trembles where he kneels astride him, and Crowley can see the wet smear of arousal on his inner thighs. He curves a hand between the angel's legs, presses up, and he's burning hot. His leg folds so sensitive that he pushes down onto Crowley's hand before forcing himself still. I'm sorry. No, no apologies. You've done such a good job. You've more than earned your reward. He presses up, fingers sliding through the slickness of him to tease the entrance to his sex thumb turning to settle against the angel's swollen clit. Aziraphale gasps at the first touch, then gives a shaky moan, folding helplessly into him. Crowley can't resist stretching up to steal a long, slow kiss from him, tasting chocolate and himself in Aziraphale's lovely mouth. Tell me that you've earned a reward. Crowley says quietly, the meat of his thumb rolling a slow, gentle circle while his fingers ease their way inside. Tell me, you deserve this. Oh! oh. Aziraphale bites his lip and sways into him. I... Crowley! Crowley pulls him closer, kisses the gently rounded swell of his chest, the slope of his shoulder. Tell me how good you are, he urges. I want to hear it. I... oh, I'm good, please. I have 
Aziraphale presses down when Crowley's fingers curl, then gives a low moan when they start pumping gently, the thumb against his clit still pressing and rubbing, has his plush thighs shaking. I deserve this! He says it so quickly it almost sounds like one word. I can smell how close you are. Crowley breathes, tucks his face in above the collar to lick at the damp skin. Aziraphale's movement stutters, the roll of his hips turning into a frantic squirming grind. His thighs tense and he's panting out hoarse little punches of air. Crowley's hand is slick, the scent of Aziraphale in the back room thick and heated. That's it. Such a good angel. You've done so well. Aziraphale gives a long moan, his whole body trembling, mouth open, hands falling from behind his back to fists in Crowley's shirt. He soaks Crowley's hand, his fingers making obscene wet noises when they still work inside him, as he trembles and squeezes and then finally sways to a stop. Crowley hisses in air, hand sliding free, cupping Aziraphale's vulva and his wet pubic hair for a moment, just to feel the heat of him. Then he pulls him all the way in, kisses his parting mouth, threads the hand not covered in his arousal into Aziraphale's hair. The angel kisses back after a moment. The breathless noises of pleasure he's still making feel like a gift. Terribly naughty of me, Aziraphale mumbles, and it takes Crowley a second to work out that he means the way his hands are no longer behind his back, but are now curled around Crowley's neck. <laughs> Don't care. Wanted you to touch me. Crowley drags Aziraphale in until he's sprawled over his lap, his big, naked thighs quashed either side of the chair, the heat of his sex pressed to Crowley's cock in a way that feels intimate and erotic. Did you like that? he asks. I did, very much, though you really weren't very demanding. Got distracted feeding you chocolates, Crowley protests, fingers drifting through the angel's hair. I'll do better next time, if you want a next time, that is. Aziraphale leads his weight into Crowley's, and it's almost instinctive to draw his arms up around him, letting him settle against his chest. I think I would like that. Very much. The end.